Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and joining me as always is Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. Now, the first round of the first division fixtures are coming to a conclusion this weekend, and generally, Nathan, the first division has given us a lot more excitement than the Premier Division. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Uh, it's great to see, really. We've said it, I think we said it though, uh, even before the game was kicked off, that we expected the first division to be wide open this season, and Thankfully, it hasn't disappointed. It really hasn't. And I could, you could put that down to a couple of things, I think. You know, uh, the likes of Galway United, while they've, they've drawn a good chunk of games. They're up in fifth now at the moment, but they haven't got off to the start that many of the 30 would. Ray Wanderers, uh, they've drawn too many games. <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say. And they're, so that, that's a big surprise in itself. I think you could throw three United into that mix as well. You know, they've only lost one game, I think, so far this season. So, their run has been really, really impressive and, and generally it just made for a really exciting uh, fourth division season and we're starting to get to the stage now, aren't we? In both the Premier Division and the fourth division, where the league table is starting to take a bit of a shape to win now, you know. Uh, unfortunately, in the Premier Division, it's starting to look like once again, Shamrock Rovers at a measuring stick uh, for Irish domestic football this season, which we'd like to see a bit more entertaining, but it's just not shaping up that way at the moment. Where in the fourth division, you have the Shelbourne, UCD, Athlone, Galway, as I said, are creeping up there. You know, there's some good viable contenders for, uh, not only for the playoffs, but for the league title itself. So, yeah, really, really interesting league. Which it has been for the past number of years, especially this year and last year in particular, for the league title, it's been razor close. Yeah, we said at the start of the season that there was quite a few strong teams and it's going to be an interesting league. There's going to be a couple of clubs here, more than a couple, that are going to be very disappointed come to the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, and even to get away from the two I mentioned, I think Cork City as well be another club that would really disappoint. Mm. Uh, well, like me and you both, we didn't really tip them to do anything special this year. Yet still, you know, a side like Cork City with with the recent history that we have, you know, that they would have ambition to be back up in the Premier Division with a field he belong. And Cork's another massive city, you know, they need a side in the Premier Division, but it's just not there. It, it just isn't there to see, and it looks like it's going to take a while. Um, Corby Galvin left the club during the week, which is a, you know, a surprising one. He's a, he's a decent enough player on his day. It's, and there's an okay squad of players. It's just, I, I think they're going to, it's going to take them a while. There's a couple of younger lads that come through this season and they're going to need them to sort of settle in. And I think you could be looking at another year or two for Cork City, a, a viable title contender. So, while we do mention Galway and Bray, Cork City will definitely be another side extremely disappointed with the season so far. Yeah, well, the first division match of the week is going to be Shelbourne against UCD, and that's just going to be a really interesting game when you look at it. Um, and then Treaty United are playing Cavan Teedley, both, I think, at both on 12 or 13, 13 points. They could be, or maybe 12 and 13. I think Treaty are 13, uh, Cavan Teedley yeah, 12 points. And uh, again, one of them win it, and, and they're pushing themselves up even further into that, into that sort of. Uh, suppose second third position so it, it's really really tight and there's always big games around the corner Yeah there is and that's actually a good thing you touch on there you know why we can mention uh, the likes of teams struggling there's been a quite a few dark horses this season hasn't there you know you mentioned Treaty you mentioned Cavan Mike my collective boys at Lone Town having a really impressive season so 
now there's quite a lot of dark horses that you know are going to be up there so it really is interesting and, and it's at that stage where a couple of, you pick up a couple of wins or, or, or even a couple of decent draws and all of a sudden you find yourself up there where you, you, you maybe didn't expect to like I, a couple of weeks ago I thought Kevin Healy were going to be real strugglers you know especially with the, the whole situation with Galway United with the, the training walkover you'd you worried a little bit about him, you know, then they went on, lost two in the bounce, and you thought, oh, well, that was it, they're, they're going to be in the lower end of the table. Then all of a sudden, they won two games in a row, and look, they find themselves uh, touching on a playoff position, while it's only nine games in, they're, they're still up there now, you know, so it is, it is a really, really interesting one, and you feel anybody can really take points off anyone on any given day. I think, if you look at the league table, Westwood are probably the only side that you can really look at and say, well, that's just... It's it's going to be a non-runner completely this season. Where the rest, you could look at, who knows what will happen. You know, even the like the Cove Ramblers who were down near the bottom end of the table. There's some decent players in that squad, and they could really literally go and take points off the likes of Athlone and UCD uh, as the season goes on. Yep. The Premier Division, there's actually a, a two games over the weekend here on yeah. the Friday and on the Monday and there is some crackers over this weekend. I, I just want to, before I go into the games that are on this weekend, Shamrock Rovers and Derry City played out a 1-1 draw and there's a bit of controversy over the the equaliser from Shamrock Rovers from where the throw-in took place, Nathan. Yeah, I wasn't a god. It was... Um I just don't know how they missed it. I really, really don't. It was, it was clearly. I don't, it was, it was the a, thing is, I don't think they did. Good, mi- good they didn't miss it. Like I was looking at the referee; he's looking straight at it. You know, yeah. so he's just let it go, and that seems unforgivable. Yeah. Completely unforgivable. You know, you, you sort of understand it with a couple of inches, or even a foot or two. But this was, this was a good, good distance away from the way the ball originally went out. So how I wasn't given, you know, you do fear for for a side like Derry City, you know. Uh, while a draw uh, open talent is by no means a bad result for anybody especially a side like Derry who are struggling if, if that's the way they're going to drop uh, they're going to drop two points it's, it's a crying shame you know because it's absolutely criminal the decision was absolutely shocking as you said the referee's looking straight at it he wasn't a million miles away either so there's no way to even justify it here, isn't there? Like we, we can't even have a discussion about it. It's just an outright wrong decision. And hell wasn't, hell wasn't given. No, hell wasn't made to be pushed back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's a finish by Rory Gaffney. Rory Gaffney, you don't take it away from him at all. But the decision itself completely outshines that and, and voicely so. I mean, it was about 25 yards up the pitch yeah. from where yeah. the ball went out. So, yeah, no, it was a ridiculous decision. And I don't know if there's if there's any consequences for the referee or anything like that. But it's, it's one of those decisions that you would think there would be because it, it was just, yeah, off the, off the Richter scale, bad. Okay, so there's a couple of games now over the weekend in the Premier Division. I suppose you have to start off with the Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers game. It's, it, when you look at how Dundalk have started the league, they started poorly, slowly, sluggish, yet this game is still as intriguing as ever. Oh, of course it is, yeah. It really, really is. It's, it's, it's at the stage now, you know, where, where it's, by looking at Shamrock Rovers and thinking, who will beat them? Wilson will beat them. And when you look at that from Dark Soil, but we said a lot of times throughout the season, while they're struggling, there's still some decent players, or more decent, some really good players in that squad. And especially at home, you know, like you never know what can happen in that one. Well, it's been really intrigued to see it. Really, really are. You know, Dundalk are down to seven places at the moment, but three points, and all of a sudden they'll start to look a little bit better, you know, they'll open the top five if the results go their way elsewhere. And a new manager, 
possibly coming in sooner rather than later. We'll win now, but like the Shamrock will be massive and really excited to see how they get on. Yeah, we never heard that since though about a managerial replacement up in an Ordeal Park, have we? No, we're not. Well, actually, we, we, we're going to get onto that very, very later in the show. We have a, a bit of a fan question touching on, on something similar. Okay, yeah, yes, but, yeah, no, yeah. We, we, we haven't really uh, the, the, we've heard a lot of names haven't we like in particular David Healy up with, uh, with, with Linfield at the moment is the one manager that seems to be highly touted uh, to go in there so whether he goes up in the next couple of weeks I think the Northern Ireland League is, is coming to the conclusion now or if it hasn't I think and do you think that's it Nathan so. do you think that's what they're waiting for the end of that league I wouldn't be surprised yeah I, I, I wouldn't be surprised and even listen to interviews of David Healy He's never outright said no. He's been very diplomatic, obviously, in his answers. You know, he's currently walking uh, in a club, so we can't, can't outright come out and, and say, yes, I'm taking over at Dundalk. But he, he hasn't denied it, and he hasn't really pushed it away. So I, I think he seems to be the man that's, that's going to go in there. It's just a matter of tying up the loose ends that he has at the moment. St. Pat's and Bowes, again, another good game. Looking forward to that Dublin derby. Um, it's the early kickoff. I think it's it's at a quarter to six, so we should get to see the two of them. What are you expecting from this now? Are you expecting a bit more from Bowes, or, or are you still confident about the way Pats are playing that they can take three points here? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It really is. It's uh, two sides that are uh, such a different, difference in tone around, difference in form over the past couple of weeks. We have Bohemian side coming in with two wins off the bounce and we have a Pat side coming in off two defeats. So it's it's really night and day from what where they first met each other. It's it's a big one for Pats, it really is, you know, if they're gonna to wanna to stay up in the conversation for European football, it, it really is a big one. They got a good win against Bowles earlier in the season. While it was disappointing to lose the way they did against Shamrock Rovers, the performance against Drotter just wasn't good enough really on the night. There was a lot of big players went missing, so it's gonna to wanna to be changed around quickly, but Credit to Bowers, like I said, you know, they're starting to click now a little bit. Uh, look at Liam Board and Ross Tierney, starting to really show their, yeah, show their worth. Ali Kewt again, I talked about him in central midfield. He's been pivotal uh, to that Bohemian squad. And he thought, I've watched them play anyway. So it's going to be a difficult one. It really, really is. Um, as a Pats fan, you know, you always look at these Dublin derbies and say, well, a point would be nice, but it seems to be a win. A win would be more so important than a Pats at the moment. Um, just, just to keep them in there, you know, because... It's going to be a real test of character for them. It's been all uh, sunshine and roses early days into the season, but now they're coming through a bit of adversity. And that's the first time uh, with this squad of players. You know, they've brought in some players in the off-season. So with this squad of players, this is the first real test of character for them. So it's, it'd be interesting to see how we step up because it's, it's not a difficult game. And the difficult games are going to keep coming when you're only in the team, when no, in the league, when no other teams. Yeah. Uh, Finn Harps played Drogheda on the Friday night and... I always like these games because Finn Harps are doing well, Drogheda are doing well. Uh, someone's gaining more, gaining more points here and, and moving up the table. So this is a, a game, I, I'm intrigued to see how this goes. Uh, if it was in Drogheda, I'd put, nearly put Drogheda as favourites, but I, I really I really can't separate these two. It's nearly, in my eyes, if I had to mark it down on the coupon, I'd have it down for the draw. Yeah, it's a Bally Buffet effect, isn't it? Uh, Any time Finn Harps are playing at home, it just it seems like a nightmare to bet against them. It really, really does. Um, Drogheda coming off two, two high-scoring victories, beating Waterford 7-0 and then being past 3-1. So goals haven't been an issue for them at all this season. Chris Lyons jumped, 
Albert Cook Adam Foley as the top goal scorer. I think he's level with him actually, is it as the top goal scorer? So you have the likes of Chris Lyons, Mark Doyle chipped in with four goals all to this season. So yeah, that that, that hasn't been an issue for a draw at all. And Trin Harps, we've talked about him, we've been not the overachievers, but they've been impressing a lot of people this season and why we thought he would have done fine. They, they really are showing that like we are joking and laughing, but at the moment you can't count them out for European football really, can you mate? Like, it's with, just with the, the decent quality of players that you have and they're gonna like while the element of a no nonsense Finn Harp side is still there, the style of play this year has been really impressing me. You know, they've they've been getting the ball down, playing some decent football, some of the off the ball movement by the likes of Adam Foley um, in particular, in the last day, one really, really impressed me against Dundalk. So, while it's always now Bally Buffet is going to be a rough and rugged place to go, just a decent Finnair side that can play football and you have the players at the disposal to do that. So, to bet against them at home, especially, yeah, I'm the same as you, I find it hard to really do so. So, this probably one of the, the going to be the low key games of the weekend for me. Like you said, two sides that, uh, that are playing well and, and tend to play a decent style of football. Should be a really interesting one this. Yeah, and when you look at Finn Harps who have drawn it, if they could get a win out of that, they have Waterford then on the Monday night. Anything could happen there. I mean, if they, if they picked up six points in those two games, it's huge, you know, to just keep that momentum and belief going. I think we all kind of want to see Finn Harps push up that table. But again, Waterford, Waterford have two home games against Derry and Finn Harps. What are you making massive of their chances? Massive games, two absolutely massive games for them. Um, even at this stage in the season, two home games against a Derry side that's, that's in eighth place that's probably more than likely going to be in that uh, relegation dogfight. Finn Harps, who knows where they're going to end up this season? Who knows? I don't think they will be down there. European football, a bit too high for them. So, but we're really not too sure. Yeah, two massive, massive ones for Waterford, especially under the new manager coming in. He only recently got out of quarantine. So, I think he's ready to go just been such a turbulent time for them over the past number of weeks where with everything that went on with the managerial side of things with the COVID related issues they're going to it's getting to the stage now where they're going to need a win, at least one win out of these two games because if you look at them playing the likes of Shamrock Rovers Sligo St. Pats you know the teams that are even the Drotters and the Finn Hearts yeah, more so the Drotters I think it's going to be hard to see them getting much out of those games so when you have a home game against the likes of Derby City, which you do uh, on Friday night, that's a massive one for them. And I think they really, really do need three points. And even more so than Derby City do. Yeah, and if you look at Longford Town now, Nathan, they've had a couple of poor results lately. It's just starting to slip away from them a bit after, uh, I suppose, a confident start where they were grabbing points. They've got a way to Sligo and a way to Drogheda. Oh, it's it's going to be tough for them, isn't it? It is going to be tough, yeah. And I'm the same. I I, I praise the performances more so. You know, because you've only won one game so far this season, which you know, didn't think was that bad. Picked up a couple of, of important draws, you know, against the likes of Derry City and against the likes of Finn Harps throughout the duration of the season. But yeah, it's starting to slide a bit, isn't it? Uh, with, not only with the results, but with the performances. We've watched them against against Bowers, excuse me, in the last game and. Um, yeah, Bowers are comfortable enough at all for the three points in that one. So they're going to be relying on, on, on the big players to step up. I think for me, the likes of Rob Mandy hasn't really got going so far this season. You could say the same about um, Aaron Bolger. Hasn't done much. He's, he's been more of a 
what busy and anything else without really creating anything too substantial. So they're going to be relying on these big players, you know, because these are two difficult games coming up for them this weekend. Um, Sligo Rovers at home, you know, the showgrounds is always, uh, it's always a difficult place to go to for anybody, you know, but Sligo on a decent bit of form, you know, and they had an initial week's rest more than anybody didn't play last weekend uh, due to the, the, the walkover over Warford. So will that play a factor? It could do, you know, with the games coming as thick and fast as they are. Yeah, you think it's a bigger party leaving the game on, on Monday night. You know, we draw the another newly promoted side, but the, the fortune of both teams will be really different since the start of the season. I think they'll be doing well if they get a point, even though it was two of these games, and they're going to be having interest to see Waterford get on. Because, like you said, the two Waterford games, Waterford at home against, uh, against the Derby City side, they could get something out of that. So, Longford, the lead is you now to keep on tip at that with, with Waterford, so they'll be really, really interested to see how they get on. Yeah, I think Longford didn't get a point out of the weekend over the two games. They've been doing well. Yeah, a couple of good games on the Monday night. Bowls are playing Dundalk. That'll be a, a good watch. Uh, you've got Derry, St. Pat's, Waterford, Finn Harps, Strahda, Longford, and of course Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers. There are two big games between Dundalk yeah. and Sligo for Shamrock Rovers. They have a little leeway, so they don't have to win these games. But they've been teams have been getting a couple of points off them lately. Um, it'll be interesting to see when or if this first defeat ever comes? I think it will. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I think it will come at some stage this season. And now then, I can see that coming back to Hartley, but they've been relying on a couple of late goals this year, you know. And I know that that's the look that you need as a, as a title-winning team. You need them a little bit of luck, you know. The late goals against Trotter, the late goals against Longford. Yeah, surprisingly, you know, these are two games, especially the Longford game, you would expect the Shamrock Rovers to win handy enough. The late goals against St. Pat's, another one. So, yeah, two really, really difficult games against, um, against two good sides, you know. It's, it's expected to come this year, like I said, I do. And this weekend, I don't know. I think of Dundalk in slightly better form than they are at the moment. You, you could say that could be the one. Sligo Rovers, who knows? You know, they're another side that are somewhat of a dark horse, I suppose you could call them, but I'd be expecting them to do well. You can t- do another side similar thing of the same pass or draw it. You can take points off anybody. So yeah, he really knows. And there's, there's always been a decent rivalry between the, the clash of the rovers, as they call it. So yeah, that that would maybe be well for that one. And who knows what's going to happen? Who really knows? Oh, I'd like to see it happen. Obviously, I'm, uh, not only as a same pass fan, but uh, but a League of Ireland fan in general. You want to see Shamrock Rovers dropping points. You want to see the the, the title race be a bit more interesting than what it has been uh, last year and what the way it's shaping up to be this year too. Now, speaking of Sligo Rovers, they revealed plans on a new stadium redevelopment. Um, what did you make of it? What do you I suppose? What do you think of it? Will it go ahead, or will it fall by the wayside like a few of the other stadium plans? Yeah, look, I suppose we just jump into to, to what we know so far. As you said, it's, it's a seventeen million um, euro plan, uh, which has been enforced by the FAI and the Sligo County Council. They're looking to upgrade showgrounds to a, a six thousand seat stadium. Did they say where they're getting the money, Nathan? That's a word that we are going to touch on, which is it's probably the big issue, really, isn't it? It's the big issue of the seventeen million. Um, yeah, look, we'll just we'll skip to the money uh, part of it. The process of seeking public funding has started, which, which is uh, what the club will come out and said. So. It's a, it's a club that is, that is ran by the fans, so the Royal are going to have to get some very, very substantial um, funding or grants. You know, they could get a grant from the, the Rural Development Programme, 
Um, I know the Sligo Lido, uh, excuse me, Sligo Lido partnership. They have helped them financially to get to publish the, the plants. Uh, so whether they they probably outsource themselves there, who knows? So yeah, they're going to have to really rely on some good public funding, uh, like grants, or sell a lot, a lot of tickets, or sell a lot of spot balls because. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the one thing. That's the, just the one hole, and you don't like the point. You don't like to be poking holes in these. You know, you, you can't fault the ambition. You can't fault the the drive from clubs to improve the facilities and to improve the the academy, which is such a big thing. As uh, part of these plans, but yeah, that's the one thing they're gonna have to poke at is where is the seventeen million coming from? And pretty much at the moment, that that's all that that's all the same. It's like a seeking public funding, so it's not there at the, at the minute. No, but the plans. We we like to see this and the enthusiasm and uh, the energy behind the club that is really looking to push on and make their club better. And the plans that are laid out uh, give everyone a bit of, uh, I suppose, a bit of optimism about the League of Ireland that they're trying to go under the right direction. Uh, it looks good, sounds good. Money is always the problem for everything, everything in life, really, if you really think about it. Everything's an obstacle. So uh, I hope the people of Sligo and around that area back them up, help them out. And again, of course, as we've always called for here on the Big Kickoff League of Ireland show, that we want to see the government, you know, putting their money uh, where their mouth is and helping out the game. And if they help out, it'll get jobs. And it's it, it just, it's a, a knock on effect all over the place. So, uh, it's not money that will be wasted. It's money that will get reinvested in the country and in, in that area. So, yeah, let's hope that goes and, through. Go on. And not not only that, you know, like I said, you call it the academy team. It's, it's the one exciting thing I think with engaging the interest of people is uh, in Sligo, which I have. We've just been chatting away, seeing what they think of it. Yeah, uh, they're in discussion with the county council. They get eight acres uh, of land uh, right beside the showgrounds. You know, it's going to be high quality facilities. If you link that in, uh, the Sligo OT uh, is looking to upgrade itself to a university status. So if you link those two together, you know, even the opportunity for uh, out in the west of Ireland to, to keep young players uh, out in the side of the country is massive for them, you know, because you've seen it so many times where some good young players come up to the ranks and then all of a sudden they could go to, to Dublin, for example, uh, to go to college. Even we've seen it with the, some current Sligo Rovers players like the uh, Jack Keeney, Liam Kerrigan made move to UCD on scholarship programme. So if you can link in, you know, the this this academy uh, development that they're looking to do and the Sligo IT going to a university status and you can link in local scholarship programmes, even for Sligo itself, you know, to, to keep young talents in the town. Because it's a massive football in town. That seems to be the highlight uh, for a lot of people when talking about these plans, more so than the stadium itself. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, we'll all be keeping a keen eye out for that one uh uh, really good uh, vibes coming out of Sligo Rovers. Okay, former Ireland international Roy Keane has made it into the Premier League Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll talk about two things, I suppose, Nathan. Uh, is it deserved? Uh, probably won't have to talk too long probably about that, although maybe you have a different opinion than me. And uh, I suppose what other Irish players could make it in. So we go on to the deserved. Do you feel Roy Keane deserves to get in to the Premier League I suppose starting eight or how many they have starting ten. It'd be up there, wouldn't it? Like uh, the main for me, the main one when you're looking at uh, a candidate's career has to be league title winners, and the man's won seven league titles with Manchester United. So if you look at that pedigree, uh, even away from his general playing style, which is one of the best in that midfield, the central midfield position, Jordan's playing there. So 
I think it's really hard to argue, you know. Um, he's gone in with the likes of Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, Eric Cantona. Cantona's probably a surprising one for me to go in that early. Dennis Beerkamp and Frank Lampard. So if you're putting them up with, with the people we just mentioned there, there's no reason why Roy Keane should be going in that early. He, he's not, he's not one of the, like I said, Cantona's probably the surprising one out of that crop of players more than anybody else. Did you vote, Nathan? I didn't know I could. Oh yeah, I, I, I voted. Oh no, did you? Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was it was a fan vote. I I, I voted right, King. Uh, okay. <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, no, I'm not registered. Not not registered to vote. No, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so right, yeah, right, King made it in. So we we yeah. we we thought we'd have a little discussion on what other Irish players would you like to see go in. I suppose. We'd like every player to go in if the, if we really had our way, but it's not about that. It's about people who actually deserve it. If you're having a Hall of Fame, it has to be, I suppose, players who have played at the highest level, winning the big trophies, uh, maybe driving teams on. So who else from an Irish perspective could make it into a Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's down to the category at the highest level. And for me, Dennis Irwin came to mind straight away. One of the best left backs to ever play in the league world. One of the best left backs to ever play in. Well, if you, ask Roy, if you ask Roy Keane, he's the only left back that's ever played in the in the Premier League. <laughs> he loves him. It's a bit yeah. of man love going uh, on there. There is, isn't it? There's a bit of an Irish connection as well. But no, it, I, I, he never even gives a Ashley Cole a sniff, doesn't he? No. I love him. Uh, so Dennis Irwin. Yeah, look, Dennis, he's got over 300 appearances in the league. Uh, like Roy Kane actually won seven league titles at Manchester United. And in, he was, in his later days, we had, had a, a decent spell with, with Wolves as well. So, yeah, Dennis Irwin was the one for me that came to mind straight away. Um, you know, people, I think Irish fans in particular would mention someone like Robbie Keane, but... I, try, I don't know. I, I, not for me, to be honest. I've and I was the highest score of an Irishman uh, in Premier League history. But for me, I'd be looking at people that won league titles. And Roy Keane, Roy Keane, I was played a lot of games in the Premier League, more so than probably some other people I have written down on my destiny list. But yeah, when I when I'm thinking of of potential contenders, I, I did speak the lads that actually won the won league titles. Okay, so we know that John O'Shea won league titles. He yeah. he he wouldn't be fashionable though, would he, to be in a, in a Hall of Fame? No, he wouldn't. But I actually did stick him down. Like I was saying, but when I, when I seen his name, even I giggled to myself. I was like, Nah, not John O'Shea. Like, the man won five league titles, played four hundred forty-four games in the Premier League. You know, so if they're, if they're going off records like that. I think if you, if you, well, look, I wouldn't have him anywhere near the top of any, like, no, like Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin, these sort of lads, um, they're, they're the ones that come to mind straight away and, and, and arguably so, and so they should. But, you know, you, you could look at the Paul McGrath, you could look at the, the, the Steve Stanton, the Noel Quinn, but I'm, forget, I'm sure I'm forgetting loads of people, but just off the top of my head, and none of them won league titles. John O'Shea, in his credit, while he wouldn't, while he wasn't the uh, focal point, you know, he was more of a squad player at Manchester United. You know, five league titles, still five league titles, and, and to, to play as many games in the Premier League as he did. While it's not, like you said, it's not the most fashionable choice. It's one when you when you look at the stats and look at the figures, it makes sense in my eyes. Yeah, um, the the old thing of you know it's a Premier League Hall of Fame. I think Steve Staunton won the Division One title just before it went uh, to Premier League status. So. 
uh, he's probably ruled out of that. But when you look at it, I suppose there's a few. There's Ian Hart, but never really won at, and Gary Kelly, Seamus Coleman has never really won at, and and there's the, the quality of some, of some of the players would be up there, you know, uh, with not with the bear camps and all that, but eventually as it trickles down. Um, but do these players have the like? The players that are going in have that kind of, uh, for want of a better phrase, the X factor about them where they they were game changers. Do you need to be a game changer to go into the Hall of Fame? I think you need to be to, to be up, you know, uh, in the upper echelons of the conversation like John O'Shea. Like even John O'Shea isn't isn't as good as some of the lads you even mentioned there. Like oh, I'd have the likes of Ian Hart his day and Shane McCormick his day. In, in my back four, uh, John O'Shea, I have to say, at club and international level. Um, so you, you, could, you could throw it's the answer they're really looking for isn't it where like I said for me if I'm looking at it and people that won league have played at the highest level and you do want to take in general play into consideration as well like, like Richard Dunn Richard Dunn won, won a, a half full of player of the year awards at Manchester City but again for me he just wouldn't go in or it's what we're talking about it's, it's the, the, the credentials that you need to go into, into a Hall of Fame but still have John O'Shea ahead of him what about Damien Duff? Yeah, Damien Duff was, was, the, was the third and final one I had in my list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he almost almost played just under 400 Premier League games, won two league titles at Chelsea. Again, probably wasn't the most focal player at Chelsea. Probably. For me, Damien Duff's one of the one of the last that tends to go under the radar. I think he's definitely safe to say he's in the underrated category, isn't he? I think so because that that team that Mourinho had, they, he had Iron Robin and Damien Duff. They were a constant fixture in that team uh, on the right and the left hand side, and they were destroying people left, right, and centre. And at the time, you you look at it and you go, oh, Damien Duff's doing fairly well. Yeah, he's scoring for. Ch-. Sometimes you don't realise. Actually, hold on, Damien Duff here was excelling in, in football terms over in the Premier League and he was one of the top players of that league. If Damien Duff was, uh, I suppose, as we say, an Iron Robin or uh, some other foreigner, he'd be going, Chase, this fella's a good player. I wish he played for the Irish national side. Well, we had him and he, and he was that good, you know, and he did win trophies. Uh, he probably probably wishes he'd won a, a few more trophies, maybe a couple of European titles, but for two, three seasons, he was just excellent. Yeah, I, I think that sort of goes back to um, I think, would you put down you know, sort of a, an Irish nature thing, you know, not that we're a country of begrudges, but we always tend to sort of downplay these things and these sort of players, don't we? Like, like I just said to myself, like, oh, Damien Duff wasn't really a focal point in that Chelsea team. We're, like, it's, it's, I'm just looking at his uh, game time even over them couple of years, and fairly he played week in, week out, mm. so he obviously was. So, yeah, it's probably years more so down to it, just the uh, just who we are, really, and what we tend to do. We, we tend to, you know, put other European players in a bit of a pedestal. Like that, you know, if someone says, oh, Ari, Ari and Robin and Sammy Duff played in the same team, the same, like, oh, Robin, you know, won countless, uh, made made us uh, titles with, with Bayern Munich, where you, you didn't see think, you know, he was the, he was the main man, where Sammy Duff, like you said, is probably on an equal level, just by looking off the, off the game stats uh, to him at the time. Yeah, no, I, I remember many performances from the two of them and, and they destroyed with, and with Drogba up front. That's why they won the league, you know, what a, what a front three they had. Um, just, I suppose, put a little curveball on it. Damien Duff or Matt Letizia, who would you put in? 
Yeah, uh, Leticia is definitely one of the ones when, uh, when anytime talking about a dark horse going in, Leticia was definitely, definitely one for me. Though. He's probably the one, the most underrated dark horse that Dottie Felt should have went in. But he's it's, never won it. No, but if, if the love for Southampton wasn't there, you know. Um, so again, is, the, is it more important, sorry, is it more important to have the X Factor about you than to have the titles behind you? Because he had the X Factor about him. He just stuck with Southampton. That's where, where he liked to be. He was a, yeah. a homely guy, but he did amazing things for them. No, he did. Like, like again, my age is probably killing me a little bit, but I'm also going off clips and things. But yeah, some of the goals, the man scored it was ungodly, you know, if we did see, you know, this share of Leon Ray scored on some of these goals, we, we'd be talking about them until the cows come home, wouldn't we? Yeah, so that's Where what that's what, ma- that's what makes me think, Nathan, that the rest of the Irish lads haven't got a hope in hell in getting into this Hall of Fame because the, there's going to be a lot of other players without having won trophies that are going to get put in there. Um, anyhow, listen, we'll move on because we're getting further away from Irish football there <laughs> as we talk. Um <laughs> The Sopranos on Dundalk, what have they got in common? Yeah, they do. That's not to start with a bad joke. This is actually something that popped up on the old timeline during the week. Uh, yeah, uh, first of all, have you ever seen The Sopranos? I actually oh, yeah, never the watched The Sopranos. I, I don't know. It's one of those things. You ever get one of these programs where you just are a film that you go, ah, I've heard so much good about it, but I don't like I have never watched uh, what's that black and white film? That is in the war with Liam Neeson. Oh, shame that's this. Yeah, I've never watched that. I, I, I'm for for the only reason because I, I kind of looked at it and went, oh, I don't fancy that. I know everyone has told me how brilliant it is and I still haven't bothered watching no, it. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't. I just, and, and I will watch it and I know I like it. Yeah, it's, it. I did the same with Commitments. It took me a few years before I watched Commitments. I didn't fancy it and then oh, when I watched it, it was amazing. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I probably should watch it but I don't know if I have the time now. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyhow, yes, no, go no. ahead. Yeah, look, Irish football podcast. Let's get back to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I know I was hoping you back me up, but I'm the same as you. It, it, it's on my list of things to watch, and I just begrudgingly just never got to it for some. And I, I know I'm going to love it. I love all that gangster crap, and I love all that stuff, and I will get there. But anyway, uh, Joseph <laughs> Janoscoli is uh, an actor that plays Vito in Sopranos. So I'm sure people that watch The Sopranos will be familiar with Vito. Anyway, uh, Joseph has been on Irish Authority, which is a, a website you can get personalised messages made um, by Irish celebrities, you know, and other celebrities, but it is mainly Irish celebrities. I got one done on Roddy Collins, and it was the best thing ever. It's generally one of the most prized possessions, even though it's not a national possession, but it's brilliant. So some, someone got, uh, someone got uh, Joseph to, to, you know, to give him a little shout out and, and to hype up the, the Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers game coming up this weekend. And Joseph hyped it up. And he's done, a, he's done one or two videos now where he, he's fully, you know, he's sitting there decked out in the Dundalk merchandise. I mean, head to toe. He's got a hat, scarf, jersey. He, he, he can get a mask, a Dundalk mask on in one of them. He's fully, he, he must spend his fortune on Dundalk merchandise. So, it, it's well, it's great to see. You know, it's always great to see uh, celebrities uh, represented with some League of Ireland stuff, League of Ireland merchandise. And obviously, Joseph is, is now a... Um, a glorified Dundalk fan now it got me thinking about other League of Ireland uh, famous uh, 
fans over the years. And it got me thinking of, of a few. And, you know, we obviously have our obvious fans, you know, the, the likes of Michael D. Higgins, uh, president, big Galway United fan. Johnny Logan, massive Bowles fan. Brian Kerr at St. Pat's. Uh, I think some of the Westlife lads tend to, to represent Slider Rovers whenever they're doing well. Do you have any, you, you just think deserve a mention? Do you have any lesser known, I have a couple of lesser known, you know, obscure ones that took me by surprise before I get on to them? Do you have any um, famous League of Ireland fans you deserve, you think deserve a mention? Yeah, well, Nathan Doyle, the same Pats. Uh, that's oh yeah, of the big kickoff thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, because I actually looked that up. I I I thought about that uh, not so long ago, a few weeks ago, about famous people who actually have League of Ireland clubs, and I my research didn't come up very well. Like I, I must have given up too early on it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 waiting for you to 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 shine a light on this. Yeah, for me now. yeah, I I have about four in front of me that you know a little bit surprising. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put them in the photos. I'll try to put them in a bit of it from most of, least surprising to most surprising. Um, uh, an actor by the name of Wendell Pierce. You ever hear of Wendell? Yeah, I heard a name, uh, yeah. Who is he? He he was in The Wire. Another extremely popular uh, American TV show that I, I've not watched. <laughs> so, okay. Well, Who's uh, he's, uh, he's the same person. Okay. He, he, yeah, the same Pats and, and Wendell had a bit of a, a back and forth a couple of years ago on Twitter. So yeah, he, he's um, he's pronounced himself now as a same Pats fan. So big win for Pats, you know, Brian Kerr and Wendell Pierce on the team. That's his day. <laughs> yeah, get, get Wendell down to the Camac and stuff and stick beside Brian Kerr and there's a podcast episode waiting to happen. You know, watch out, Greenberg. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really, really was. Okay. Um, another one. Another one of the boys, uh, actress, uh, Maureen O'Hara. Oh? Uh, yeah, yeah, Shamrock Rovers. Stop, how did this happen now? Do you know what happened about that? Yeah, yeah, Shamrock Rovers fan. Uh, just from my childhood, she was, she was born, uh, born in Dublin, I believe her father uh, actually put some money, invested money into Shamrock Rovers um, with, during his lifetime and she's just been a, a childhood supporter and she even, she, she had an episode of This Is Your Life on an American TV show, God, I don't have a clear one letter. You know, there are letters over there. Mm. Um, and she even, even in This Is Your Life, Shamrock Rovers has got mentioned, uh, and a fandom of Shamrock Rovers has got mentioned. So it's, yes, it's something that, that's well known in, in the circle of uh, Shamrock Rovers and more, you know, Harry fans. Okay. So you think getting interested now in the next two? Yeah, we have two. Uh, Dermot Morgan. We all know him and love him as Father Ted. Uh, he, yeah, two. I, I came across two different League of Ireland clubs of his, but one of them turned out to be a joke, and one of them is Genuine. The Genuine one is, once again, Shamrock Rovers. Damon Morgan was uh, a Shamrock Rovers fan, and he jokingly said once that he was a UCD fan, he, that he, he went to some UCD games during his, his college years, and when asked why, he said, because he doesn't like crowds, and he, he thought he felt very at home <laughs> going down to watch UCD play, because... He was never bothered. Nobody ever, ever bothered him when he, when he went down to watch UCB play. And the last one, uh, my personal favourite, by far, uh, Dustin Torkey. Right. I would have thought Dustin would have got, would have got a shout out. Dustin is apparently, well, was staunch uh, St. Francis fan. There's a lot of footage of Dustin the Torkey representing with a St. Francis jersey on the den during the 90s. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. That, and, even, you know, I have vague memories of watching the dance uh, as a kid and 
you'd often hear him mention Bohemians and things like that. Like, but going back and looking at him now, you're like, oh yeah, he is. He's in the same franchise jersey, and he, he wears it quite a lot. Where like wears it like like the bleeding talk. He went out and picked it. But yeah, like now he's he's representing uh, St. Francis uh, a number of times on the day. So yeah, they were just some of the more obscure ones I could find. If anyone is listening in, let us know because I really fell into this. I fell down a rabbit hole with this one. And, and if anyone has anyone we missed out, let me know because I was dying to know to know about them. Yeah, and if you're a celebrity and you're listening, uh, get on to us and let us know who yeah, you're know. Who, who you're uh, following this year. Okay, Nathan, you have a couple of fans' questions to finish off. Yeah, we do. We got a, We actually have a double whammy. We got two sent in uh, by a gentleman by the name of Kevin Glossner. If you want your question read out, like, like Kevin, hit us up. Now find us in the big kickoff on social media. Send them on. Send to uh, you know, get Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. All that good stuff. Just, just show them in. We're delighted to read them out at the end of, of each podcast. So, I usually read these out, you know, a quick little one, but I actually want to read them out the way Kevin wrote them because he is a way with words. And Kevin, if you're listening, hit us up because, you know, you can write us because <laughs> he, he really expresses himself pretty well. The first thing he says, lads, the three capital letters, sorry, three exclamation marks, excuse me, lads, I feel like a lost ever touch lamb. Me and other older men like me, we just can't get our heads around social media. Which This is actually me saying now, which is ironic because he sent me this message on Facebook. <laughs> so he obviously wasn't that struggling with it too much. So Kevin wants to know, why is it so important for his second club to be obsessed with social media? Help me out, please. So why is it important? He's asking why... why now, why, is, why do clubs think it's so important to use social media as a tool the way to do? And what's the benefits of it? Okay. So is he against it or is he just I curious? Think he just, I think he, he, he was just curious, yeah. He, he, was, he was saying to me that he was, he was only new on Facebook and he doesn't really understand that and he doesn't get why clubs are you know, promoting it so much as they do, which I think to me and you, it, it, it makes the most sense you know like for me just I, I, obviously the reach that social media has for potential fans outside of the catchment area of the actual club itself is absolutely fantastic so yeah I, I think he just he just wants us to know the benefits of, of, of social media in the, that club can use in the league world yeah well I mean it's so important these days because yeah. you're in charge of, of, of what goes out there clubs used to be you know, reliant on newspapers, they used to be reliant on TV stations to, I suppose, promote them and help them out. Now they can, they can show whatever, like the, the kitchen lady out the back making the tea and interacting with players and stuff that people like to see behind the scenes um, and how, how they work their academy and, you know, bring players up and show them, you know, basically all the good things that go on behind the club that you would never see. I mean, a lot of people just go and see a, a, a match but never really see. I mean, as we said before, we've seen some of the behind the scenes documentaries on Netflix and stuff like that. It's just pure f- fascinating to see that kind of thing. Also, the promotional side where, you know, you're you're building up the excitement towards a, a game or a league season can be done really well with any sort of video editor who 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 knows the stuff and can and can put that sort of stuff out there that gets bums on seats. So it's it's really important. Um, maybe you'll add something to that, Nathan. 
yeah, it's also free. It's also cheap. Like you said, you're not relying on people to produce posters or a newspaper uh, advertisements or anything, you know. If, if you have a game coming up or you have an event coming up or you have anything, a fundraiser, whatever it may be coming up, you know, you can, you can promote on social media, it's free, you can get out there. You, you, I know you can boost it with a couple of quid, but you don't have to necessarily do that, you know, because fans are going to have their page linked anyway. So, it's going, so the people that are going to want to see it more than likely will see it. And as well, I think the perception of, you know, social media is for, for the younger generation is probably something that's, that's not quite true now at the moment, especially on Facebook, you know, that there's a, a lot of older people on Facebook, you know, even, even not even older, you know, we look, you look from the age of 40 upwards, it's, it's dominated uh, Facebook. The, the, the opportunity younger people are going to look at Instagram now and TikTok and these sort of things. But I think it's, it's, it's a fantastic tool, cheap, it, it reaches all catchment areas, it reaches all demographics and... Well, you know, you still get some of the older guys that just haven't got on it at all, or someone like Kevin that's probably struggling with it a little bit. But you also have the websites too, you know, the websites are also another fantastic tool that can, that can be used, that you can check out. So they're not really missing out on anything, but yeah, the importance of social media as a tool, it's, it's absolutely vital in the league for, for the reasons we just said, you know, this word, for the promotion alone, even, even for the promotion, it's, it's not only needed, it's, you probably couldn't really go without it now at the moment. No, and also with the way that, again, I know some people don't like you saying it, but the way that RTE sort of treat the league and, and don't have the yeah. the highlight reels and what have you, you get to see coverage of the league, which I think just, it's, it's hugely important, you know, to be able to see quality goals that you wouldn't see only for the social media side of things. So it's really, really important, yeah. Uh, second question. Yeah, second question again. Uh, Kevin sent in. He just sent me in two on the trot and I just thought it was good. Especially this one. Uh, he lets us know, he said, lads, you pair love Roddy Collins. Which we do. <laughs> uh, Kevin wants to know, what did we make of him applying for the Dundalk job? Well, it was probably the most Roddy Collins thing that Roddy Collins could do, I suppose. It was... Um, I suppose Roddy likes to chance his arm and he definitely chanced his arm on that one. He would say he's qualified for it. Others would say he's had his chances. Um, I don't think that he was ever going to get it. I think, again, I think he's trying to keep himself in the shop window for some job out there because if Dundalk want to go places, they need to be fresh uh, with their ideas and when it comes to a manager, they need to, as I said before, probably with a couple of clubs, need to sort of look outside of um, the normal sort of one manager gets sacked and jumps into another job sort of carousel where, you know, you just have same managers in different jobs year on year. I mean can we go and get plenty of young good coaches out there plenty of ambitious coaches out there who really want to try their hands at League of Ireland management you look at Stephen Bradley came in you know out of kind of nowhere which was great to see but you know there's plenty of them out there who, who really want to do that and sometimes the odd time uh, a manager from outside the country will come in and, and give his experience and knowledge to the league and that's fine that's fine but if if these if some managers are in there for a long time and haven't really been that successful, uh, and I'm not just pointing the finger here at Roddy or anything like that, if they haven't really been successful and they've jumped from one club to another, 
it's going to catch up on them and you just can't keep giving those people the jobs. You know, you have to be successful if you're going to be a manager. Yeah, no, I was spot on, really. I wouldn't have much to add to that. It's, he was never going to get it. I think even saying that he didn't even hear back of anything from stuff. So I think that really tells you how, how, how much he really considered his, his application. Yeah, he's just... He's not the right man for the job at the moment, not for the level that they're at, and not, not for what they're looking to do going forward. I think they, they need someone like David Healy or, or I think it was, um, James Ga- James Gannon was, was also linked with it. So yeah, I think Roddy Collins isn't the one. It's just the man for at the moment. Like I said, it's um, just to be another another slug of managers. But now with the league as well for a couple of years, you know, we last managed in 2018, so like, it just it just doesn't seem like the right mix at all at the moment. I, I think we'd, we'd like to see Roddy back in the league some stage just for the entertainment value alone. But <laughs> no, not not at the level of a Dundalk. No, it would just be it's not too disaster waiting to happen. No, and especially not- with. with, with Especially with, with the owners that are there at the moment as well, like you mix Roddy Collins in, into that. Yeah, it's, it's probably a bad mix, isn't it? Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. No, and and I'm not saying that David Healy is the answer either. I mean, I've I've no, there's nothing to say that David Healy is going to go in there and do a good job. You know, that's just who they're looking at at the moment. And well, you know, it's it, it's 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 one that you throw up in the air and and see how it lands. Really, there's there's nothing to say that he's going to come in and and you know change that and drastically or, or or amazingly or you know he's not going to be the Pep Guardiola of, of Irish football I just I, I just don't see that either so um, I'd still be worried if I was a Dundalk fan Yeah definitely well, at least uh, if, if you're looking at someone like Healy coming in you know he's a decent record of winning titles you know he's won the, the Northern Ireland Premier Division there this year again so at least there's, there's some sort of momentum coming his way but like I said mm-hmm. Roddy Collins he's been out now for a couple of years and away, away from his, his spell of Bohemians you can't say his managerial career in the League of Ireland has been overly successful either no no not at all okay Nathan I had one other thing and I can't remember it was jumped into my head and it jumped back straight back out of it again it's something that happened this week but maybe I'll talk about it next week so we will leave it at that Nathan thanks very much for your time and anyone who's listening out there thanks very much for your time for listening uh, go on to YouTube as well and subscribe to our League of Ireland uh, channel the Big Kickoff League of Ireland show uh, and uh, if you like uh, football there's the Big Kickoff football show also uh, www thebigkickoff.com and of course we're on across all social media thanks very much for listening